So time's a pretty uh, precious commodity these days. We hear people talking about time all of the time. And there's actually a lot of people who are making a lot of money writing books about how to manage manage your time. You can go to a bookstore, you can go to Barnes and Noble, and you'll find an entire bookshelf full of time management books. You can actually go to Goodwill, where they're a lot cheaper, and you'll find all of those time management books that people bought and then gave away afterwards. So that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a trick for you. Um, you can go on YouTube, and you can find video after video after video of people teaching you time management tricks. And I always find it ironic that you can spend, you can waste a lot of time trying to figure out how to manage your time on YouTube. And we've just kind of become obsessed with time. You can kind of see it in the way we talk. You can go up to a complete stranger and start talking to them. And at some point in that conversation, I can almost guarantee that one or both of you will say, oh, I'm just so busy. It just kind of comes up. And actually, it's been interesting as I've been kind of paying attention over the last little while that as we talk about time and we talk about being busy, we do this interesting thing where we kind of complain about being busy, but it almost becomes like bragging. Like, I'm so busy. And then somebody will say, well, you don't even know I'm busy. And, and it becomes like a one-upmanship about who's even busier than the other person. Um, and we even see it in the church, this kind of busyness that if you've ever been put in charge of trying to find volunteers for a ministry or something, probably 98% of the time, the first thing you're going to hear is, I'm just busy. I don't, I don't know if I have time for that. Now, I'm not trying to say this because I'm going to try to recruit a bunch of people for a, for a ministry at church. And I'm not even trying to make people feel guilty for saying no because they don't have time. What I, what I want to do, I'm just trying to point to the reality that we are just a busy people. We're, we're going nonstop and that our days are really full and we're not sure how to spend our time. And so there's this idea we want to figure out how do we best spend our time in this world. Um, and in our passage today, Paul gives us a hint at how to do that. He says, make the best use of your time. And so I think something we'll want to hear and yet, I also think it's, he's going to tell us to use our time differently than we think. So Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing, make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to start off and I kind of want to just give you a, a, a kind of an idea of what Paul's saying and try to get, I want you to understand his flow of thought um, because I think it helps us see the big picture of this passage and it also kind of helps, um, helps us see what really jumped out at me this week. 
He starts off and says, be careful then how you live. And, and the then is pointing back to what we talked about last week, being children of light. He's saying, since you're called to be children of light in a dark world, then be careful how you live. Pay attention to it. Don't just kind of live willy-nilly. And he says, then, oh, I missed a slide. He says, live as people who are wise and not unwise. And that would make sense to us, I guess. If we're going to live as children of light in the world, we shouldn't live foolishly, but we should live wise. And then he says, this is what it means to live a wise life. He says, making the most of every opportunity is how the NIV translates it. And the ESV translates it, making the best use of the time. Okay, so to live wisely in the world is to make the best use of the time, making the most of every opportunity. Okay, so that's what it means to live wisely. And then he gives us the reason why, why we should do this. He says, because the days are evil. Okay, so because the days are evil, we should live wisely in the world and we should use our time rightly and appropriately and effectively as we kind of push back against these evil days. And then he gets more practical. He gives us some examples of what it means to use our time wisely. He says, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so this is what it means. to. So if you're, if you're living foolishly, he says, you're wasting your time. If you're not trying to discern what the Lord's will is, you're wasting your time. If you're getting drunk, you're wasting your time. But if you don't want to waste your time, if you want to make the best use of your time, be filled with the Spirit and understand what the Lord's will is. And then he gets even more practical and he says, okay, here is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. So this is kind of what it looks like when you're filled with the Spirit. These four things kind of flow out. We speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord. We always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, each four of these is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's, I just want to, I'm laying this out because I want to show you what really jumped out at me. Paul says we should live wisely in the world, which means making the best use of our time. And if we're going to make the best use of our time, we should be filled with the Spirit. Which means if we're going to use our time wisely, we need to be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. If we're going to make the best use of our time, we should be singing and making music in our hearts to the Lord. If we're going to make the best of our time... We should, we'll be always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to make the best use of our time, we'll be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty countercultural message. You don't see that in any of the time management books. Not at all, right? They're not saying, if you're going to make the best use of your time, they don't say any of that. And I mean, if we even think about it, if I, if we were getting together and we were having a conference and we were talking about, okay, we're, we're living in an evil age, 
Uh, we want to push back against the evil age. We want to make the best use of our time. Now start writing down a list of things that we should be doing to make the best use of our time to push back against this evil age. I would guess that none of us would have come up with these four. I would guess that some people would write down, if we're going to make the best use of our time and push back, we should just be working really diligently, work hard to, to overcome the injustices in the world to make the world less evil, Right? Or some people would write down, we need to work really diligently campaigning and getting people to vote for the right politicians so that we can have good laws and make the world less evil. Or some people would say, you know what we need to do? We just need to be working really hard. We need to get out into the world. We need to share the gospel. See, people come to Christ so that the world is less evil. Now, hear me. None of those things are wrong or bad. <laughs> now, we should be involved in politics. We should be... We better be proclaiming the gospel. We should be working towards injustices. It's not that any of those things are bad. It's just we jump to these big, grandiose things right away. Instead of, and Paul points us to look at some of these things as making the best use of our time. I kept, as I was preparing this, I kept thinking of a, a saying. I don't remember where it came from, but you know, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to do the dishes. Right? <laughs> Everyone wants to do the big, grand thing, but not the little things that lead to that, that point. And I mean, I've actually heard people over the years in ministry, I've had someone come up to me after a time of fellowship with the church, and they've said, why are we wasting our time just hanging out as a church when there are people living in poverty? Or I've heard people after a worship service, I've had people come up to me and say, why are we wasting our time just singing? And I mean, there's people who need to hear the gospel. Why are we wasting our time doing these things? And what Paul's saying is we're actually wasting our time if we're not doing these things. If we're not speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we're wasting our time. If we're not singing and making music in our hearts to the Lord, we are wasting our time. If we're not giving thanks always for everything, we're wasting our time. If we're not submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, we're actually wasting our time. And, and I think it's important as you look down through this list of things that Paul's not focused on these external deeds. He's talking about more of an internal being. He's not talking about doing things. He's talking about being a people that are characterized by these four things. And so if we want to push back against the evil age, if we, if we want to make the best use of our time, Paul says, let us be a people who are filled with the Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit, these four things flow out from us. And I think this is, really represents the way that God created the world and the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. 
See, the kingdom is all about small things, like I was telling the kids, small things that God uses and brings into bigger things, like a small seed that slowly grows into something much bigger, or like yeast that you put in dough that slowly spreads until it's gone through all of the dough. And I think when we connect that with what Paul is saying here in these four things, these are all seemingly small things that we would think they have no, they have no effect. They don't bring change. They don't push back against evil. And yet Paul says these seemingly small things, if we are a people who are fellowshipping with one another, if we are a people who are singing and making music in our hearts, if we are a people who give thanks to the Lord and submit to one another, that's like dropping a little yeast into a batch of dough that slowly begins to spread. Or it's like planting a seed in the evil age that will continue to grow. Or to take my analogy from last week, or Paul's analogy, it's like a little light in the midst of the darkness that spread. That that's what it means to make the most... To, to, that means, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, but also is how we make the best use of our time. Now I want to take a moment to look at all four of these and just kind of give you an idea and give some thoughts on how they function like yeast in an evil age, how they make a bigger difference in the world, and then I want to wrap up at the very end and talk about the how of all of this. So Paul says that to be a people filled with the Spirit, making the best use of our time, is to speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and it's pretty interesting he doesn't say singing to one another with psalms that comes next that's the next one this one is just speaking to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs it's it's about the way we talk to one another it's it's marked by you know psalms hymns spiritual songs but what he's getting at it in and underneath this is the way we talk to one another the way we fellowship the community that we have is different from the world. And I could tell you that is a light in the darkness. Having God's people in community. I mean, that's leaven or yeast in the dough of this evil age. Because, I mean, as, as I look out across our cultural landscape, we are a lonely people seeking meaning, purpose, belonging, trying to find connection with other people. And many, many people spend their lives longing to try to fit in and find a place where they belong. And Paul says, through the work of the Spirit, we can be a community where people find that. I mean, I can, I can about guarantee if I talked to everybody here, took a poll on why you first came to the church and why you continued coming to the church, I bet it had to do with the relationship and the community. That's what I've found over the years. Um, our youth ministry had a lot of unchurched kids, probably 50, 60% of the group was unchurched kids, and they would come because they said, wow, we finally found a place where we could be ourselves and belong. It was leaven in the society. It was a little seed that was planted that pushed back against the evil age. The simple act of being a community is making the best use of our time and pushing back against the evil age. 
And Paul says to be filled with the Spirit is to be a people who sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord. And I always kind of found it funny because I think every commentator, they must not be very good singers because they said this makes us feel good that we can sing in our hearts at least, not have to sing out loud. But John Stott said this, without doubt, spirit-filled Christians have a song of joy in their hearts and spirit-filled public worship is a joyful celebration of God's mighty acts. The spirit-filled Christian is one who has a song of joy in their heart and it doesn't just, it, it carries with them every day of the week and then we get a bunch of us together in one place on a Sunday morning and that song of joy pours out as we sing hymns and songs of praise to our God. This, this mark of a song of joy in our hearts is what marks a spirit-filled Christian and it's something that the world does not have. They try to manufacture it. Paul even gets at that in here. He says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I mean, I've watched a ton of people try to manufacture joy by going to the bar, getting drunk, and doing a lot of laughing. And it looks like joy for a while. It looks like fun until it wears off shortly thereafter. And then you're sick, wondering what you did the night before. It's, no, it's not a lasting joy. It's, it's a very temporary joy. They're, they're, the world is seeking for something that is more lasting. And I thought of Psalm 4 where he says, Lord, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when the world's grain and new wine abound. We can look at all of their partying, all of their excitement, all of their manufactured joy. And the psalmist says, but the Lord has given us Something that is deeper and lasting and more foundational. And through the work of the Spirit, being a joyfully worshiping people in the world is making the best use of our time and pushing back against this evil age. To be filled with the Spirit is to be always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. I think this one's just difficult. I think, I don't know, there's, it's the flesh, it's our sinful nature. It's right there, and it's very easy for us to become ungrateful and, and not thankful people. I was thinking when, I, when Rachel and I were first married, I worked in a factory um, for a couple of years, and I remember that every break, all break long, it would be a gripe session. We would sit at the table, and it was the entire break, every break, everybody was about the boss and about the equipment and about whatever. And this is all, they don't know what they're, and it was just the whole time long. And, and, it, and it didn't take long before I felt myself falling into it. I would be griping at work, and then I'd be griping at home, and, I'd be, and it really caught me off guard on how quickly I fell into being ungrateful and thankless. It's, it's right there. It's easy for us to fall into that. I mean, we know that the world is not overflowing in gratefulness and thanks to God because they don't even believe He exists. They don't believe that He's the one pouring out gifts to them. It's, it's pretty shocking that we're in one of the most affluent times and places in history, and yet we're living in one of the most un... Um, on discontented 
and ungrateful times and places in history. One of the most affluent and yet still discontent and ungrateful. And so just this act of the Spirit working in our lives, being, being a people who are always giving thanks for everything to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, that is making the best use of our time and pushing back against an evil age. Finally, Paul says to be filled with the Spirit is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And our culture doesn't like that word, submit. We're we're very much in a culture that wants to demand I should get what I deserve and it's all about doing what's best for me, myself, and I. I mean, we do live in a culture that believes in survival of the fittest. That's, that's how we came about, was by the strong conquering the weak. And so if you want to move up the ladder, if you want to move up in your business, you just exert power and authority and you kick, claw, scratch, bite, whatever you have to do to make it to the top. Submitting, that's weak. You'll just get eaten up. And yet, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first... He must be the very last and the servant of all. That, simply being a people who do not try to climb their way to the top by using authority and power, but a people who lower themselves, taking the form of a servant like Christ, that is making the best use of our time. And pushing back against this evil age. Now, I want to answer the question, how? Um, Because this is a command, which is kind of interesting. Paul looks out at the people and says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question, and I'll get to it, but I want to, I want to emphasize one thing first. That... If you are a believer in Christ, the moment you put your faith in Christ and turn from your sin, turn to Him, you were filled with the Spirit. He says it right here, if you look at the very end of this verse, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit. The moment you believed, you have the Holy Spirit. And yet, as we read through Scripture, particularly the book of Acts, there are these moments where it talks about Christians being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is one of them. A group of Christians in a church says after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. So this is Christians who already have the Holy Spirit, says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, um, there, there's not a really good way to explain it, I say it's like they get an extra measure of the Spirit, which is kind of right, but you can, but it's this, this moment in your Christian life, and you've probably experienced it, where all of a sudden you feel empowered to, for them it was to speak the Word of God boldly. All of a sudden they felt this empowering, and they went out and they preached the Gospel boldly. Peter, Peter would speak boldly when it, Happened, and, and Paul's saying that can happen with us as well where the Spirit comes upon us in a powerful way where we break forth singing songs of joy to the Lord from our heart. 
It's just empowering to live the Christian life. So each one of these things, he talks about fellowship, our worship, giving thanks, and submitting to one another can flow from this extra outworking of the Spirit. And yet, so how do you do that? And we all want to know like five steps and a, and a, and a riddle or something to, to get the Holy Spirit to fill us. And yet, this Holy Spirit's not a genie in a bottle. The Holy Spirit does, we can't just say some magic words or do some magic things to get the Spirit to fill us. Jesus says the Spirit does what he wants to do. It's something that Paul says should happen continually. If, if you could translate this verb to say continually be filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one and done. If, if you've ever hung around in charismatic circles, They'll talk about being baptized with the Holy Spirit or receiving a second blessing where it's just you need to get, you know, you need the extra spirit one more time in your life. But Paul's saying this has to happen continually, daily, hourly, every minute. Be, be seeking to be filled with the Spirit. Um, I think John Piper was helpful in this. He says, he raises the problem, we're commanded to be full and yet we are not the filler. The Spirit is. So the answer to this predicament in the New Testament is that God has ordained to move into our lives with fullness through faith. If a person is filled with faith, he will be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit of joy and peace. You're like, but that sounds too simple. <laughs> no, I just need to live a life of faith? And the Spirit fills me and empowers me to do this? Yeah. You know, I was thinking of Naaman, who uh, wanted to be cured of leprosy, and Jesus said, just go wash in the Jordan seven times. And he's like, that's way too easy, and just walked away. <laughs> Can't do this easy thing. It's got to be more difficult, like climb a mountain. or No, just go do this. And the Bible, I think Piper's right, it says, live a life of faith. And the Spirit will fill you and empower you to do this. It's weird quoting myself, but I, I, but I wanted to, uh, to hear exactly what, what I wrote down. As we live lives of faith, trusting in God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to be a people who fellowship, worship, give thanks, and submit to one another in a dark and evil world. And the Spirit uses those simple acts as leaven to slowly spread and push back against this evil age. And that right there is what it means to use our time wisely in the world. And it's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a God who cares, a God who leads, a God who shows us that even the small things you, you call us to do, you use in powerful ways. Father, we ask that your spirit would fill us anew and empower us strengthen us to be a people who fellowship, who worship, 
who are thankful and who submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we ask you to do that. We ask your spirit to do that work in each one of us. And then, Father, we ask you to take those small acts and use them to push back against this evil age. Father, use us in bringing your kingdom here and pushing back the darkness. Father, we ask your forgiveness for those times when we think these small things are wasting our time. We ask your forgiveness when we try to overlook them to make our own grandiose plans. We ask you to settle this in our heart, that you've called us to be this people in the world. We ask your spirit to shape us to be that people. And all God's people said, Amen.